It's the prospect team of the week, and it is once again dominated by Cincinnati Reds infielders. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, Prospects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in a Lockdown MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. So, Prospect Team of the Week. We do this every single week, recognizing the fantastic performers from last week in the minors. If you have a suggestion for a guy who needs to be in the show, send it to us on Twitter. We always take nominations. Starting off with the pitching, we're going to start off with left-handed pitching because that's just kind of my favorite. The uh, The lefty starter of the week on this team is Kay Povich of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, 2021 third rounder out of Nebraska was drafted by the Twins and was part of that big trade deadline deal where the Twins went out and got Jorge Lopez, the closer for the Orioles, and sent back like four four pitchers, including uh, current MLB, I believe he's either the closer or the setup man, Yanye K- uh, Cano, and Kate Povich in that deal. So last week, he ends up being uh, the, the Eastern League Pitcher of the Week because for AA Bowie, he goes five innings, Three hits, no runs, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. And on the season, Cade Povich has uh, uh, six starts, three and two record, 3-3-8 ERA, 26 and two-thirds innings, 44 strikeouts, a ridiculous 14.9 strikeouts per nine, to 10 walks, 3.4 per nine, one home run allowed. Uh, the big thing for me with when you look at Cade Povich this year, is he's always had a ton of pitches that he threw, right? I mean, he throws legitimately five different pitches. He has a four-seam fastball, has a lot of like late bore on it. And when you combine that with the cutter that he throws, he he brought he brought it back last year after the trade. The twins weren't having him throw it a bunch. The Orioles said, yeah, go ahead and do that. You combine both of those with the change, which is kind of really a thing against righties, but he gets over 50% ground balls. You're probably thinking, okay, so he's one of those just ground ball machines. Well, he also really interestingly has a curve, a vertical breaking curveball and a strict sweeper. So the curveball is a one to seven curveball, probably above average, uh, sits in the mid 70s. And then in the low 80s, he has a plus sweeper. And so the ball comes out of the exact same release point in the exact same tunnel. And it could be a fastball that that comes in on you a bit. It could be a cutter that obviously moves the other direction. It could be a sweeper. It could be a vertical breaking curveball. Or it could run back arm side and down as a changeup. Everything, like it, it could move almost any direction 
at any time. He pounds the strike zone with strikes. And so it feels like Cade Povich, I mean, he's, last I saw, he was in the mid-teens as far as the prospect rankings in this system. But with this new velocity on the fastball, his ability to get chase with the sweeper, it really feels like he could be a piece for the Baltimore Orioles. I feel like uh, maybe the end of the year, a brief cameo at the end of the year, depending on, uh, on whether or not the Orioles are in contention. But either way, I really do like the future of Cade Povich in Baltimore. Uh, other guys that we looked at, Parker Messick. I actually think he got MLB Pipeline's prospect team of the week. He had one game started in single A. Yeah, single A, seven innings pitched, no, uh, one hit, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. I went with Povich over him because Parker Messick drafted out of Florida State last year. He should be dominating single A. And so the tiebreaker, I was like, yes, Povich gave up a couple more hits and did have a walk. He had more strikeouts. It was a higher level of competition. So I went with, with Povich for that. Right hand pitching, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Brian Wu again is a runner up here. He had a game started, seven innings pitched. Two hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. He didn't give up a base runner until the seventh inning. So Seattle's got a good one there. We again looked at him and then did not select him for this team. Kind of frustrating, I know. Also looked at Ben Brown in AAA for the Cubs. Five innings pitch, two hits, no runs, three walks, 10 strikeouts. Obviously, right-hand pitching, easiest place to find a bunch of options here. We went with Evan McKendry of the Tampa Bay Rays. Just Really kind of wild as far as uh, 2019 ninth rounder out of the University of Miami, who's not necessarily known for having tons of uh, high-level MLB talent that comes out of there, except for on occasion you get decent arms like this. And has kind of had a slow time through the system, got a little bit of time in 2019 in high A, but after that has spent... Close to a year per level. Spent all of 21 in high A. Spent most of 22 in double A. Got a little bit of time at Durham at the end of the year. And then has been most of the year this year. I'm sorry, all of the year this year. Back in triple A Durham. And hasn't always been a starter. In 21, only half of his outings were starts. Most of his starts in double A. Or most of his outings were starts in double A. But this year, he started off as a reliever. And they moved him into the rotation a couple weeks ago. And the most recent start that he made, seven innings pitched, two hits, no runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. And at one point, he retired 15 straight batters. So they were playing the White Sox affiliate. So Oscar Colas, a couple other guys who have had MLB time. And on the season, Evan McKendry... 3-0 3-0 in his uh, eight appearances, again, three starts, 4-3-6 ERA in 33 innings pitched, 27 strikeouts, 13 walks, nine home runs allowed. feel like he struggled more in relief than he has as a starter. He's been just kind of stretching back out. He may be an option for Tampa Bay coming up soon. Taj Bradley, I believe, is going to be the starter today. They announced that right before we, we recorded the show. But what I like about Evan McKendry is he throws a ton of stuff, right? So he's got uh, both a four-seam and a two-seam fastball. The four-seam fastball sits 93. He can run it up to 95 or so. The two-seamer sits around 90. He's got a sweeper. He throws around 80. 
also has a traditional slider, sits around 87 or so, has a changeup around like high 70s, 78, somewhere around there, as well as a curveball. And when I watched the start, 32% CSW rate, you feel good about that, only gave up three hard hit balls, uh, one on the slider, one on the changeup, and I think one was on the two-seamer. But what I seem to notice about Evan McKendry when he's pitching is he throws fastballs out of the zone. Everything that's in the zone is a breaking ball or an off-speed, and it's moving in some direction in the zone. So as it's traveling through the strikes and traveling across the plate, it's darting away, it's darting down, it's moving in some direction. And so because of that, we see it in the hard hit rate, it's hard for guys to square it up. It's a lot of ground balls, it's a lot of weak suboptimal contact, and he gets through the outing pretty well. So uh, again, did really well against Charlotte on Friday. Uh, Evan McKendry gets the right-handed spot uh, on the prospect team of the week. In just a minute, we've got the infield. Surprise, there's multiple Cincinnati Reds infielders again. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at So Rare. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners. You get officially licensed digital cards featuring players from all 30 MLB teams. You own the experience. You can collect, buy, sell, compete with your cards against global opponents to win fantastic rewards. Win or lose, you own your cards, and there's no cost to play. You start off, you go to Sorero.com slash locked on. You draft a team of free player cards. They give you a budget. Each card is a certain amount of points to get it, and you have to fit your team within your budget. Every time you finish lower-level matchups, you earn a new card. And then once a day, you can swap in a card for a card. You can choose the position you want. If you say you want more outfielders, you want more infielders, starting pitchers, relievers, whatever it might be. It ends up, you have a seven-player team that you submit. There's two game weeks per regular week. You pick a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, a corner infielder, a middle infielder, an outfielder, an extra hitter, and then a flex. And the flex can be anybody but Shohei Otani. And you earn points, positive or negative, based on how they do. And the higher on the leaderboard you are, the better the prizes are. You can get game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences. The prizes vary based on the level of competition that you are in. So head to SoRare.com slash locked on, S-O-R-A-R-E.com slash locked on to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. Okay, looking at the prospect team of the week, uh, for the infield, uh, had a little bit of trouble with some of these. It felt like catcher and first base were a little bit thin this week. The catcher goes to Dalton Rushing of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Got six games last week, 7-22, three home runs, two doubles, five runs scored, six RBIs, six walks to six strikeouts, and one for one on stolen bases. We've talked about... Dalton rushing before, I'm still not 100% sure if he's going to stick behind the plate or not, but obviously he's in a scenario where if he takes extra time to figure out the offense and how it's going to work, you have the runway to do that in LA because you have Will Smith, who's one of the best catchers in baseball at the major league level, and you have Diego Cartaya ahead of rushing in the system, so you have another prominent catching prospect behind him. Uh, I talked about he may be at first base, he may not. He played three games at catcher, 
two DH and only one at first base last week. So looks like he might be sticking. At first base, I'm giving it to CJ Alexander of the Kansas City Royals. The first time I put this graphic out, I said he was a Yankee. He is a ro- uh, he is a Royal. Uh, he played five games at first and one game at third. In the six games that CJ Alexander played, seven and 19, three home runs, a double and a triple, five runs, four RBIs, one walk to nine strikeouts, and 0 for 1 on stolen bases. He was a 2018 draftee by the Atlanta Braves, and it's taken, I think a 20th rounder actually, out of Juco, and it's taken him a little while to get to the point where he's this close to the bigs. Uh, Drafted as a third baseman by the Braves, was traded in the Drew Waters deal where the, the Royals sent a competitive balance pick to Atlanta and got Drew Waters and C.J. Alexander and has been playing more first base than third. But in 30 games this year, 267, 297, 562 has really found the power stroke. Seven home runs, 16 extra base hits, five walks to 34 strikeouts, and two for three on stolen bases. Uh very much has broken the tendency he had to be an exclusively poolside guy. Can hit a little more across the whole field, but obviously 297 on base in Omaha still struggles as far as trying to draw walks and things like that. His career high in essentially full season, he didn't get quite a full season in in Mississippi last year, but he got almost 70 games. His on base was 294. So a little bit of work to do with the pitch recognition, but when he gets a hold of one, he can absolutely launch it. Hit 25 home runs between AA Mississippi and AA Northwest Arkansas last year. Uh, MLB Pipeline gave this to Arizona Diamondbacks' uh, Ivan Melendez. He actually played three games at third and two games at first last week, so that's why I wanted to give it to somebody else. Uh, but Melendez won the, I think it's the Golden Spikes Award last year as the best player in college baseball playing for Texas. I assumed he'd be a first baseman in the bigs, but they've played him a lot at third base this year, so we'll see what happens there. Second base, we gave the award to Ronnie Mauricio of the New York Mets. Got six games last week. Five of the six were starts at second base. The other one was a start at shortstop. He went 12 of 27 with one home run and seven doubles for Ronnie Mauricio. He hit 12, he had 12 hits last week, and eight of them were extra base hits. That's why the slugging's so ridiculously high. Scored eight runs, had five RBIs, two walks to two strikeouts, and two for three on stolen bases. It really feels like getting him into second base is the best option for the New York Mets so that they can get Mark Canna off the field at the big league level. If you can get Jeff McNeil where he can full-time play in the outfield, you can have Mauricio at second, you can get Mark Canna off because Canna's really kind of hurting and it's, it feels like a transitional year as far as integrating all these prospects uh, for the New York Mets. They already have Brett Beatty up. They already have Francisco Alvarez up. We're trying to get Mark Vientos up there because he's another guy that probably should be dh over Daniel Vogelbach. And then you've got guys like Ronnie Mauricio who are the next wave. The goal after this, these guys all get comfortable, would be developing pitching, getting pitching options up there. The, uh, the honorable mention here at second base Ryan Bliss of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Talked about him on yesterday's show about breakouts. Went 12-24 in his six games. Two home runs, four doubles, seven runs, three RBIs, two walks to five strikeouts, and three for four on stolen bases. 
Matt McClain of the Cincinnati Reds is one of the two Reds infielders on the prospect team of the week. Got six games in AAA before he got called up. Played three at second and three at short. Uh, went 9-21 with three home runs and two doubles. Four runs, eight RBIs, seven walks to five strikeouts, two for three on stolen bases. Uh, McLean came, uh, was called up, like we mentioned. He was the starting shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds on Monday night. Uh, we'll talk more about him on Friday's show, discussing how him and some of the other position player prospects have done with their recent call-ups. Casey Schmidt's going to be in that show as well. Uh, we'll definitely get that. The runner-up here for me was Tyler Fitzgerald of the San Francisco Giants. He went in the six games that he played in AAA Sacramento. 10 of 23, three home runs, three doubles, and a triple. Eight runs to six RBIs, five walks to eight strikeouts, three for three on stolen bases. Uh, He's not in their top 30, and I feel like he probably would have been the guy to come up if Casey Schmidt wasn't hitting so well, but he's solid defensively, uh, was a 2019 fourth rounder out of Louisville, and so gives you a lot of flexibility as far as defensively, where to align everybody. Uh, I think his, I think he's probably going to be a utility guy more so than being an actual everyday starter, but still somebody, obviously it's the Giants are going to platoon a bunch of guys. He'll be an option for that. Uh, at third base, this one was really, really hard. I went with Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, three games at third, three games at short, also in AAA with the Louisville Bats. Uh, but in his six games, seven of 20, three home runs, two doubles, seven runs to eight RBIs, and 10 walks to four strikeouts and two for four on stolen bases. The 10 walks are the reason that I wanted to highlight Ellie De La Cruz. We've talked about on this show, my everydayers will remember, we love the power potential of Ellie De La Cruz. We love how much of an absolute freak he is. He had three balls over like 115 miles an hour the other day. He can throw it almost 100 miles an hour from the left side of the infield. The issue he's always had was his strikeout rate hovered around like 30%. I mean, he he batted over 300 last year and still had a 30% strikeout rate. And so the question was going to be, when would he finally be able to adjust the plate approach to get around that? Well, in the month of May, he has raised his walk rate to 16.7% in AAA. He has lowered his strikeout rate down to 16.7%. And so Ellie De La Cruz is doing everything that you needed to see from him to feel comfortable that he is just about ready for a call-up. So the thought process for me is, I still think Matt McClain's a better option at second or at center than being your full-time shortstop. I've got some questions about the long-term fit of his arm. Maybe he's a utility guy. But either way, it feels like you absolutely can use Ellie De La Cruz at the major league level sometime soon. And if, if, if one person gets hurt, Jonathan, Jonathan India gets hurt, I feel like it's really easy to have an infield setup that is going to be Ellie De La Cruz at short, Matt McClain at second, Spencer Steer at third. I mean, possibly Christian Encarnacion and Strand at first. It's a really easy way to set this up. Uh, honorable mention here, at third base, Arelvis Martinez of the Toronto Blue Jays. Three games at third, three games at uh, two games at short, one game at DH. Seven to twenty-three in those six games. Five home runs and a double. Six runs to ten RBIs. One walk to eight strikeouts. 
no stolen base attempts. Ultimately, went with Ellie De La Cruz because the significantly higher walks than strikeouts wanted to highlight that, as well as, you know, only 7 to 23, although five home runs is amazing for Relvis Martinez. In just a minute, we're going to get to the outfield. There was a, another, a few surprisingly tough decisions to make here. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Uh, if you have not seen Bird Dogs, these are shorts, pants, joggers. They have built-in liners. They are the most comfortable shorts I have ever worn. I work from home, so I wear collared shirts when I want to. I'm not required to dress up fancy for work. I take a lot of my meetings with the camera off. Uh, and, and so I've prioritized comfort and flexibility with what I wear. Bird Dog sent me a package. Absolutely love them. They are incredibly comfortable. I can s- slip on some sneakers, run to the store, run out to grab lunch. I still feel like I'm dressed up enough if I need to walk into someplace fancy like a bank or whatever. These are the most comfortable shorts. The pants are super flexible. I can wear golf. I can leave there, go to a happy hour. And the entire time, I'm same pair of pants, super comfortable. The boys are protected. I feel good. We've talked about this. When you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. When you play good, they pay good. Bird Dogs will do that to you. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB. When you enter promo code LockedOnMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style metal tumbler with every order. Again, birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB, the absolute best shorts and pants in the galaxy. Okay, looking at the outfield for our prospect team of the week, a guy that I'm pretty sure we have never mentioned on this show before, Rockies outfielder Yankeel Fernandez. Uh, 2019 IFA out of Cuba, got 28 games in high A this year so far, 298, 323, 521, six home runs, 14 extra base hits, five walks to 27 strikeouts, 0 for 1 on stolen bases. What he did last week. He went, in the six games he played, he went 14 to 29, three home runs, two doubles, and a triple, because on Friday, he hit for the cycle, scored uh, scored seven runs, had 12 RBIs, and one walk to five strikeouts. Got a little feisty, tried to steal a base, was thrown out, so he's 0 for 1 on stolen bases for last week. But the thing about Yankeel Fernandez is we've always known he had plus power, and he had really good contact ability. But the hit tool was below average because he was like incredibly aggressive, right? He would swing at just about everything. Uh, Low A Fresno last year, he struck out 114 times in 112 games. Well, he's gotten a little bit better with the pitch discernment, pitch recognition, and he's been able to maintain the, the contact quality so that when he's getting hits, he's, he's able to show the power to all fields. Been very impressed with what Yankeel Fernandez has been able to do in high A Spokane. Uh, I'm, it's probably going to be something where mid to later point of the year, he's age 20, they may bump him up for the last bit of the season to double A to see how he handles that jump. And it's something where he fits that profile of a big, uh, a big armed power hitting corner outfielder. He's not incredibly fast. Uh, it's probably a 40 grade speed. And the defense is probably going to be slightly below average, but the arm is big, 60-grade arms. You can put him in right or in left. He's going to get you outfield assists. He's going to hit tanks in course Field. Going to be tons of fun to watch Yankeel Fernandez in the future. 
Uh, number two guy on the team, Colton Kowser of the Baltimore Orioles. Six games last week, 11-22, two home runs, two doubles, nine runs, five RBIs, eight walks of seven strikeouts, one for one on stolen bases. Uh, played three games in center, one game in left, one game in right, one game as the DH. He was a 2021 first rounder out of Sam Houston State. We knew he'd be good, but, and like, and the question was, is he going to be a power hitter? Is he going to be an on-base guy? And he, he could have kind of gone either way. It looks like he's kind of focusing on some of the on-base stuff. He's hitting for plenty of power. 336, 477, 567 this year with seven home runs and 16 extra base hits in 36 games. Uh, th- but he's prioritizing getting on base. 35 walks to 38 strikeouts and five for six on stolen bases. In that six-game week, he got on base three times in all but one of those games. So five of those six games, Colton Kowser reached base three times. And in three of the games, he reached base four times. Uh, he has a plus hit tool, and a lot of the stuff that he was working on was, one, cutting down swing and miss in the zone, and then two, leaning a little more into the organizational, the organizational philosophy of doing damage uh, when they... They throw a strike, you need to be putting a power swing on it. Again, he was kind of an on-base guy, but he's gotten better at uh, recognizing when he can go for a little more power, especially to the pull side. And so we see this year now he has that ridiculous slugging figure of 567. His uh, his best career high in AAA last year was 429. He did have a 568 in AA buoy last year, uh, but th- and this is with a higher on base, and essentially the same batting average in AAA this year. Uh, top five prospect in the system for a reason. Probably going to be up in uh, Baltimore sooner rather than later. I'd imagine next time somebody gets hurt, Colton Cowser is probably the guy you call. Third guy here, Justice Bigby of the Detroit Tigers. 2021 19th rounder out of Western Carolina was a senior sign and was kind of had played third base and outfield in college. Uh, started off with Detroit as a first baseman, and they have moved him back to the outfield. He's primarily an outfielder now. He played five games in, I think, left and one in right. 13-21, two home runs, four doubles, seven runs, nine RBIs, four walks to four strikeouts. On the season, Justice Big B. Listen to the stat line in 23 high A games. 370, 435, 667 slugging. Five home runs, 13 extra base hits. In 23 games, so more than one every other game. Uh, with nine walks to 15 strikeouts and one for two on stolen bases. Have been very impressed what he's been able to do. Uh, w- has won some awards from the organization for his consistency. Uh, a guy that I think MLB Pipeline made him on their team of the week. We did not, but James Wood of the Washington Nationals. We'll make him an honorable mention, I guess. In the seven games, they played seven games last week. Not quite sure exactly how this calendar worked out. But they played seven games. Nine of 26, two home runs, three doubles, and a triple. Seven runs, seven RBIs, four walks to eight strikeouts, and no stolen base attempts. So, our prospect team of the week, just to recap, catcher Dalton Rushing of the Dodgers, first baseman CJ Alexander of the Royals, second baseman Ronnie Mauricio of the Mets, shortstop Matt McClain of the Cincinnati Reds, now actually with the Cincinnati Reds, 
third baseman Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds. In the outfield, Yankeel Fernandez of the Colorado Rockies, Colton Cowser of the Baltimore Orioles, Justice Bigby of the Detroit Tigers, with your pitchers being Cade Povich of the Baltimore Orioles and Evan McKendry of the Tampa Bay Rays. Fantastic week this week. If you have questions for Monday's mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.